The emergence of COVID-19 has forced the legal industry to rapidly undergo a fundamental transformation. I'm Jack Newton, CEO and co-founder of Clio, the world's leading cloud-based legal software provider. In each episode of Daily Matters, we'll explore what this new normal means for law firms, how legal professionals can find success while working remotely, and how lawyers can best serve their clients during this unprecedented situation. Today's guest is TC Whitaker, the law firm solutions leader for PwC Insights Officer. TC, thanks so much for joining us. It's great to be here, Jack. Thanks for having me on. TC, first and foremost, how are you and your family doing? Oh, thank, thanks for asking, Jack. Um, everybody's doing well. Um, we, um, we're doing well. We're staying at home and following the guidelines that um, our state and federal government has forced down here. And so we're trying to abide and do all the things we're doing. But um, appreciate you asking. Um, how's your career doing? Everybody okay with you? Yeah, everyone is, uh, is well. And we, we, we sent, uh, I think, three weeks ago today, our entire home, uh, company to work from home uh, on a mandatory basis, shut down our five worldwide offices. And, you know, I, I think thanks to the cloud and we, we do drink our own champagne at Clio, 100% cloud-based. And uh, I, was, I was pretty amazed that we didn't, we didn't miss a beat. You know, support still picking up the phone calls because they've got uh, a VoIP-based phone system that, that all of our, our support requests are getting routed through. Uh, our sales team has actually seen an uptick in interest around uh, Clio and the cloud more generally thanks to uh, to COVID-19 and uh, the rest of the business. I think we've just leaned into this as an opportunity to actually grow and change and, and build some new muscles. So uh, I, I think I've been personally very, you know, happy with, with that transition for, you know, clear as a company. And then on a personal level, uh, you know, I've got uh, my house here with uh, my wife and our three kids. They're 11, nine and seven. So a pretty, busy house and so, you know an interesting age range to try to manage and you know juggle the homeschooling and 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 work thing along with my wife so it's uh it's been fun is maybe the generous description of it but everyone's healthy uh and there's a lot of things i'm uh enjoying about this new reality along with some of the some of the challenges but all things considered really well thank thank you also for asking excellent so tc uh, tell us a little bit about the the changes you've experienced personally as a COVID, uh, as a result of COVID-19 in terms of impacts on your, your, your personal life. Tell me how PwC is adapting to this crisis, how you're working with your insights officer team through this, and maybe just give us a little bit of context in terms of where you're situated and what kinds of orders are in force in your jurisdiction right now. Sure, sure. So uh, maybe I'll start with PwC and then I'll work, work right. back down into, into personal. So um, fortunate to uh, work at a, um, a global firm that is um, uh, very well prepared for this. Uh, we are fully cloud-based firm. Um, we've been that way for a long time. Um, you think about generally like what PwC does and how it sends people all over the world to do all kinds of jobs outside of our offices. Like we're, it's very unusual for us to be in the office, uh, just with the nature of like our audit tax and consulting work that we do. So we had to build our business in such a way that we could be remote and all over the place. Um, so, so we're, we're kind of fully cloud based. Um, now um, this is unique and, and quite different when, when literally we, we shut down all the offices because there are still some needs and things like, need IT help and stuff like that, that you can normally like go in and get stuff fixed or, or whatever it might be, or, or um, for some of those 
reporting things that the government still requires for us to do um, on paper. Um, you know, you, we have big printers and all kinds of stuff like that. So there's some work around that kind of stuff. But for the most part, um, PwC was well prepared for this and, and it's, it's pretty much business as usual uh, for us continuing to deliver for our clients and, and all of that kind of stuff. So uh, not, not much change there. For my personal team that, that I run inside of PwC, um, we are, uh, we're a very spread out team. Um, while we're headquartered in Atlanta, Georgia, I, I have people on my team from really from sea to shining sea, from New York to San Francisco and about everywhere in between. And then um, I got a big team and some folks in Australia, some folks in Shanghai. And so we, we are used to operating together on, on kind of a, um, a remote basis. So um, not, not a tremendous difference there in terms of like how we communicate and work together and collaborate together. Um, I, I tell my team all the time, I feel like we have about every tool known to man to collaborate with each other. For, uh, we're, we're a Google firm, so we got all the G Suite and, and we can do all the video chats and we got Slack and uh, Gchat and text, and I feel like there's like a, a million ways to stay con connected with each other. Um, you know, actually, though, interestingly enough, I think one of the things that that is a little bit unique and different about this, and something that we need to acknowledge, uh, I have a group of CEOs that I meet with, and we meet pretty regularly. Uh, there are 10 of us, and this weekend we were meeting and, and discussing things, and one of the big ideas that we came out of that meeting with was like, listen, there, there's work from home. And that's in this bucket. And I do that all the time. You know, if I got something going on family-wise, or there's some unique need, I can work from home. Yeah. What, is happening, what is happening right now is not work from home. What is yes. happening right now is that I am working in the middle of a crisis, and I am forced to be in my home, as well as everyone else inside my company, to be forced inside their home. And those are like two very different things. I think that's a super important point, TC. Yeah. And I, I, I think many people that have always work from home or also saying to their their new work from home compatriots hey this isn't normal and, and the kind of psychological stress and everything else yes. that you're dealing with yes. in addition to the displacement of working from home is an entirely new thing so don't conflate those things don't work don't conflate right. work from home during a global pandemic and economic meltdown and all the yeah. uncertainty and stress that goes along with that with what the day-to-day -day of working from home looks like. Right, yeah, yeah. So this is, this is, that was one of the kind of big ideas that we were all circling around and saying like, absolutely, like we're all in on this. I think another one that was really interesting was, um, you know, the um, level of productivity. So what, whatever you had in your plan as a leader of your business, uh, pre-pandemic, in terms of what you were expecting to accomplish, what you wanted your team working on, and what you thought you could get done in terms of productivity, like those need to be scrapped and thrown away. And, and business leaders need to rethink, okay, now what do I think that we're actually going to get productivity-wise? There's a lot of businesses, um, you know, law firms, the, the ones that we work with and the ones that you work with, where literally courts are shut down. Yep. So if you think you're going to get the same productivity that you would get depending on the type of law you practice, like throw that out the window, okay? You need to, you need to like restart, wad that piece of paper up and get a new piece of paper out and say, okay, really, what, what is this going to look like now? that we're in the middle of this and, pandemic. And keep layering on top of there, by the way, the courts are shut down, your clients are in lockdown, their businesses have been mothballed for weeks or maybe months. Yep. Uh, so there's, yeah, this, this uh, unbelievable wave of impact starting to hit, hit law firms. And, and maybe, you know, pulling that thread, TC, I'm curious, do you see in the, the data you're looking at across the, the law firms that you work with, uh, any 
any trends that are giving you an early view on what the impacts of COVID-19 have been? And, and maybe before you answer that question, you, actually, you could actually set the stage for us a little bit in terms of what is PWC Insights Officer? How does it work with Clio and tie into the broader Clio ecosystem? And what kind of service do you provide your clients? And, and then come back to that, that earlier question around what, what are some of the trends you're seeing and maybe how are you advising your clients and how to, how to navigate this crisis? Sure. Um, so uh, Insights Officer is a, um, a solution built inside of this big, huge firm called PWC. And we're a solution that targets uh, solving problems for small and medium-sized law firms. And um, one of the things we do, which has been very valuable to our clients, is we cloud enable them from start to finish. Clio is a huge part in that. I mean, a huge part, because when you think about the heartbeat or the center of the law firm, and what they do on a day-to-day basis, managing their matters, managing their clients, managing their time, all of those really important things that all law firms are going to be doing, um, having all of that set up in the cloud, but then the business needs that surround it, because there's many more business needs than that. There's, you gotta make payroll, you gotta pay bills, um, you gotta have your accounting and your general ledger system. Um, so so there's, there's more to it than just that when you think about the business holistically, and that's how we think about our law firms, holistically. So we cloud enable them, and then we actually offer them a service where we take on all of those back office needs for the law firm. So literally doing the uh, bookkeeping, we've built a lot of really cool automation around that. Um, and um, once we get these law firms cloud enabled, we put our automation in place. Now we got the data working and syncing very seamlessly between all these cloud, cloud-based applications. And then we can access that data to start to do some really cool things with it to help the law firms make better decisions about how they can be um, more profitable, about how they can increase utilization and realization, all those great things that, that law firms need to pay attention to. Um, one of the interesting things, which leads to your, your, the first question was, because we have all this data working together from payroll to paying from AP to AR to uh, what's going on inside uh, Clio, and we can sync all that together and pull it all together, we do have a, an interesting view into what's going on inside these small and medium-sized law firms. And um, as, as I mean, this is probably not a huge surprise, um, we see um, some of our customers, uh, depending on, uh, a lot of this has to do with the type of law practice. Um, some of them continue to, to push forward and they continue to work with their customers and continue to make money and, and are doing okay. We see others that are really struggling with insolvency. And, and I know that's, that's, a, that's a big thing to say, but that's just, the truth. Um, when the spigot turns off and you're a solo practitioner and whatever it is that, that your practice type you did to make money all of a sudden now turns off, that's a big deal. And you can get to insolvency very, very quickly when you look at what you're spending money going out the door when no money now is coming in the door. And so um, we have had to um, had some real hard conversations um, with some folks. Now, there are absolutely things we're doing to advise folks on how to manage through this and how to think about um, conservatively, one of the most important things you need to be thinking about in a situation like this, which is cash flow management. There's no doubt, this is, this every, every managing partner, she should be focused on right now, what am I going to do around my cash flow management? And there's some, there's some basic tips and tricks 
One question I'd love to ask before you proceed there, just for our listeners that might not be familiar with the, the concept in terms, what is cash flow? Give us the, the, sure. the 101 on yeah. cash flow and why it's so critical for a business. Yep. So, so what we're talking about here is the cash coming into your firm. So this is your clients paying you money versus the cash going out of your firm. So this is you paying your payroll. This is you paying your rent. This is you paying your insurance or your utility bill or, or whatever it might be. And you look at this, this in versus this out, and that is going to give us what your overall cash flow is for your business. So a positive cash flow means you have more coming in than you do going out. A negative cash flow or an insolvency or an insolvent position means you have more going out than you do coming in, which is obviously a, a really bad situation. But when you when you literally one day just turn off the spigot of what cash is coming into your firm, it's very easy to get insolvent very quickly. Just because there's there's you're no basically more. then running against whatever's on your balance sheet. Is that right? You've just got right. whatever runway of your expenses against your savings and I believe this to be the case. You can comment on this, uh, I think, more in detail than I would be able to. But my understanding is that many law firms do not have much in the way of cash reserves. They're often operating with less than a, a month or two of runway, which is if you turn that spigot off, how long can you, can you cover yourself from an expenses standpoint? So can you maybe just talk a little bit about that and maybe... Yeah maybe even how you approach advising your clients in terms of what, what kinds of savings do you recommend putting in place so that you can weather a storm like, like COVID-19? An interesting thing about just the nature of law firms, the majority of them are set up as partnerships. And even, even a three, three individual partnership a, a law firm, they um, generally will distribute the proceeds to the partners. And right. so they get, in, they get into the situation like you're talking about where we have a month, month and a half of cash on hand in a, in a normal world, in a normal scenario where you can kind of look at your clients and know what they pay you, look at your workload, what matters you're working on, um, net new matters. That's, that's actually not the worst thing in the world uh, because you can, you can actually manage based on one, one month or one and a half month. But when we find ourselves into this very unique situation that we find ourselves in right now, and this is this is really kind of unprecedented what's happened. Of all the financial crises we've ever had, of all the ones I studied about in my MBA program, of the one I lived through in 2008, this is unique. This is way different. Yeah. Very, very, very much different. And so now when you only have a month of cash on hand to cover all of your expenses that you might have, you find yourself in a very unique situation in terms of how to manage through this and how to think about how I can I can now get get through this and get over the hump. So, in a law firm, uh, you have type practice type where you have money on retainer, IOLTA uh, cash. You need to work on those matters first. You need to reprioritize your workload. Work on those matters first because that's money you've already collected. Now it's not yours, but you've collected and got it in the bank. Now if you can do the work to earn that money. You can move it from your IOLTA into your operating and become your cash. Very important. It's kind of an easy thing to do, but if you're the type of firm that does that kind of thing, here's some cash that we can free up right away. Uh, yep. The next thing, next thing you need to do is you got to stop. When you, when you have reimbursable expenses, you're, you're charging expenses and things uh, on, that you're going to charge back to your clients, stop doing that. Don't front them the money for that stuff anymore. They need to, to pay in and then you pay out. 
Um, so there's no more float. You're not acting like a bank anymore to, to your clients. So you can, you can start doing some things like that. And the other thing, which this is really hard, but this is uh, very conservative, and I think a wise approach to this, is I'm telling all the clients now to make three buckets on your expenses. You gotta get real familiar with your expenses, what you spend your money on. If you're the managing partner or you're the partner group, you need to, you need to get in the weeds on this. You need to understand what's going on. And then you need to bucketize them to essential expenses, to nice to have expenses, and to a bucket that I call first to go. And so mm -hmm. you need to think about what those expenses look like and put all the ones in your firm into one of those buckets. And the first to go, the decision needs to be made like this. There's no, there's no more waiting. There's no more. And think about it as simply as, hey, we order a coffee from Amazon and gets delivered to the office every, every week. Like, cut, done, turned off. Like, it needs to be turned off right away. And then you start working your way back into some of the nice-to-haves and you start look at your, looking at your cash flow. Now that I've cut some of these expenses out, how much longer of a runway have I provided uh, for myself? And so those are some of the, the few tips and tricks that we're working with some of our clients on um, right now. The other, the other thing is when your cash flow inflow just drops and it stops, you got to look for other ways to try to get cash in, into your firm. Um, we spend a lot of time uh, with our current clients, talking to them about um, some of the, uh, for those in the U.S., talking to them about some of the programs that are available to small businesses right now. And so we have done a tremendous amount um, around that and continue to um, work with our customers about how they can get access to some of that um, cash that's available to them through the government. Great advice on, on the cash flow side, especially TC. When you, when you're thinking about how do you evaluate your expenses and, and your, your revenues to, to achieve positive cash flow in this crisis, I think there's a few things you can do that are maybe unusual as well. And I'll offer up one tip that uh, Aaron Levine shared with me in one of our uh, early episodes of Daily Matters. And, and she had Evergreen Matters set up with, Evergreen Retainers rather, set up with many of her clients. And normally she wouldn't ask them to top those up until they'd been fully drawn down. And she basically asked her clients in as many words, hey, can you do me a solid and top up these retainers in advance of when you usually would uh, mm -hmm. to help with cash flow of my firm? And I think what she was very happily surprised to see, probably due to the, the client relationship she's built up over years where there's this amount of goodwill, but every single one of the clients that she asked that question of topped up their retainers in advance of when they would ordinarily do that. And I think it was a good reflection of uh, Aaron does does uh, consumer facing law. I think a great reflection of how much goodwill there is in the demographic of folks that have not been severely financially impacted by this crisis to help out industries that that are. You know, you hear mm -hmm. about people leaving hundred percent, two hundred percent tips at restaurants that they're visiting or ordering out from uh, better uh, better stated. Um, and in your mind, are there other you know? innovative or out of the ordinary tricks uh, or, or tips that you, you'd, you'd pass on to our listeners that can help with that, that cash flow side of the equation. I, do, I don't know if they're so out of the ordinary, but um, another thing that we are working with a lot of our clients on right now is um, accounts payable and accounts receivable management. Yep. On, the, on the accounts payable side, I am telling folks, listen, 
go and talk to the people that you that you owe money to the landlord whoever it might be go and talk to them and see if they won't work with you to manage through this cash flow to say this yeah. is a sensitive this is a sensitive subject but this is something i think is real practical advice to say listen i i want to i want to continue to to pay you this rent i got a great relationship with you you're a great landlord blah 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 but I need to, I need you to work with me right here. And, and we're in a really hard spot and my business has, has pretty much stopped. And so what can you do? How can we work through a payment plan? What could this look like? Um, and actually a lot of people have had luck with conversations like that. that, that I think that, that's a hundred percent correct. And, and I, I, you know, from my perspective as a, a business owner and, and somebody that offers subscription services to lawyers and, and I, I think everyone from a, a landlord to a software provider is in in the same boat where we know things will return to normal at some point and we would rather have you as a customer or a client or a tenant yep. on the other side of this than we would to lose you or have you fail in this pandemic we want to do everything we can to help you survive yep. and and I, I think it's really important to underscore that you're not the only person that they're having that conversation with and that their mindset is probably much more amenable to that conversation. And I think there's many lawyers that would have to screw up the courage to even have that conversation, frankly, because it is, uh, it is a tough conversation and a bit of a vulnerable conversation to have where you need to let some of the bravado and, and, and so on wash <laughs> away a little bit. Right. And that's right. I, I, I think that, that's going to be the difference between surviving or, or not in this kind of a climate though. And I, I think it's a, a great example of the kinds of conversations that can actually help you get through this. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. They're, yeah. I agree. They're not easy. Um, but you know, when you're faced with um, shutting the doors versus going and having that conversation, sometimes I can muster some confidence, right? When, when your back's against the wall. Yeah. How are you thinking about staff expenses, TC, with some of the new legislation coming through in the form of the CARES Act and so on? Are you giving advice, so to speak, in terms of do you keep your staff on? Do you, do you furlough them? How, 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 do, how are people navigating accessing this program? And is there, I know every case is probably different to an extent, but is there any broad-based advice you're giving law firms right now in terms of how to navigate these programs and how to manage your staff expenses as a result? Yeah, there, there's, um, there's no doubt that the largest expense to a law firm, all law firms, regardless of practice type, is, is payroll and, and what, you're, yeah. what, you're, what you're paying your folks. It's just the largest expense, period, full stop. Nothing else is even, even close, really, to be honest with you. Um, so this, this, is, this is an important one to talk about because it's a very material thing when you're talking about cash outflow. Um, and so, um, you know, one of the things that I have been talking with folks about and making sure to bring up is that, like, listen, we are in, we're in this tough spot and economically we find ourselves in a really, really hard spot. And, but I don't, I don't always seem to make just knee jerk reactions uh, about people first is always the, always the right thing to do because I want people to make sure that we're being conservative and taking the right approach to the short term, but also thinking through like, we, we will come out of this. It's just a fact. Like you can look at all of history and it goes down, it comes up. It's just a fact. And so we need to make sure that number one, the firm survives through the trough, but also that we're positioned on the other side. Because this is the one thing that I've really been talking to a lot of these managing partners about. And when I get on the phone with them, I'm like, listen, 
you, you have built a business. You are an entrepreneur. I know you don't think of yourself like that because you think of yourself as a lawyer first. And, and I talked to so many of them. They all, they're, I'm a lawyer, I'm a lawyer, I'm a lawyer. No, you're not. Look at what you've built. You've built a business. You're an entrepreneur. You have done this. And it's the entrepreneurs that as they come out of this, they're going to see the opportunities. And if they can manage their workflow and if they can manage their people appropriately, they're going to be best positioned to take advantage of, of what happens when we come out the other side. So I, I think that um, while layoffs are real and it's something that, that people are absolutely asking me about and talking to me about, I think it's a very indiv individualized to the firm. Um, they, they need to make that decision based on exactly what's going on inside their business. So just to make a blanket statement like you should do layoffs or you should not do layoffs, I, I think is wildly inappropriate for me to say, um, given that each situation is very unique into, into what a law firm should do. Um, that being said, some of our clients have, have laid off some people, uh, no doubt. Um, others are making decisions to keep some folks, and they are using things like the Paycheck Protection Program and other SBA lending programs that are available to them right now to um, keep their staff and keep their mm -hmm. teams in place because they do want to be able to take advantage um, when we do come out of the other side of this. Because um, while I have no crystal ball, um, I do think that this um, – the way that the the way that this economy just literally stopped, like we just ran into a brick wall when they said everybody go home. So we just ran into this brick wall. Um, I am very hopeful, and I also believe that when it gets turned back on, it's going to get turned back on very quickly. Unlike what we experienced coming out of the 2008 recession, which was this very like long, slow, taking forever to kind of tick back up recovery. This one appears to me like because there was no fundamental flaws underneath anything. That That's happened. right. There were, there were no big issues. It was just like literally they said, go home. And when, we, when they said go home, we stopped spending money. And when you stop spending money, that caused that. So when we turn it back on, we start spending more money. I do believe that we're going to come back. Those that are positioned to handle that business when we come back, I think you're going to do well. The analogy I've attached to really strongly is that the economy has been put into a medically induced coma to save humanity essentially and it's going to come out of that medically induced coma and like you said hopefully none worse for wear uh if we can prevent all of this collateral damage in the meantime yes but i i do think that the the structural underpinnings of the economy you know as you pointed out unlike the 2008 financial crisis uh unlike uh the great depression there there's not these structural issues of the economy right. to, to yeah. worry about. Before we leave the, the cash flow conversation, I think you made uh, one really <clears throat> important point that I, I want to underscore as well, which is look at your expenses really, really closely. Do that line by line analysis of your yes. credit card statement and your bank statements and cut to the, to the bone if you, if you need to. And I, I think what, so many businesses, you know, especially as they start to scale up in terms of size, there's a lot of expenses that you can forget about and a lot of expenses mm -hmm. that quickly became irrelevant expenses the minute that you went to a distributed and, and work from home environment. Um, and I'm sure there's lots of offices that are, when things do resume to normal, they're gonna find a pile of coffee deliveries <laughs> and other stuff at their, their doorstep that they've forgotten about. So I think that's, that's one point I just wanted to, um, to underscore. Um, and I, I want to circle back to to Insights Officer and, and just mm -hmm. let you, you know, wrap up the explanation of of Insights Officer, what you're doing there, and 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 to talk about maybe some of the macro trends you're you're seeing. We 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 dove into that cash flow piece, 
um, and, and some firms, you know, frankly, just struggling with, uh, with insolvency. Um, are there other macro level trends that you think are, are worth talking about? Sure. Um, so maybe we'll, maybe we'll take the, in, the insights officer piece, um, insights officer piece first. Um, right. I can tell you, um, si similar to, to your business, um, we're, we're signing new business. Um, we are finding firms that, um, have gotten into a spot and they said like, listen, um, my clients need me to continue to, um, deliver for them and solve problems for them. Um, but because of the nature or the way my business was set up or we had this uh, kind of legacy old world um, mentality on, in terms of on-premise solutions and things like that, we um, can't solve problems for our customers anymore, our clients anymore, and um, we, need, we need to get there. Um, so we're continuing to see uh, business um, come, come through from that standpoint. Um, you know, this is... Um, it's, it's, it's a hard thing. I think it's a sensitive thing to talk about because... You know, when a, when a boat gets capsized, you don't really want the people who come along in the life raft to be like, hey, I told you, you should have learned how to swim. Like, right. what are you doing? You're an idiot. Like, that's not really helpful to the person who's drowning. You know, you need to throw them a life raft and like, let's get them into the boat. And yeah. And, and, and no one needs to be out. told that they should have had six months of savings in the bank exactly. to weather this yeah. storm. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's the same thing for, um, you know, going go to the cloud. I think we have to be careful with, with, with this and, and how we talk to people about this and, and we've taken the stance that, that we want to be um, um, certainly with um, like we, we halted all marketing like in, internally for a while. We just stopped it all. We just cut it off. And we said, let's be real sensitive around this. Like our, because our messaging is like, take your law firm from old world to new world, the whole thing. And, and, and let's go and let, and let's get you on the cloud and let's get you best position to run your firm as best as you can. And, and we, we honestly thought that messaging might be a little insensitive to some, to some people mm -hmm. right now. So we stopped it for a little while. We rethought how we want to message and how we want to go out around that because we just wanted to be careful um, not to be those people in the boat who are just saying, Hey, you should learn how to swim. When we told you to right. learn how to swim, you know, a year ago. Yeah. Um, not just not very helpful. Uh, but any, anyway, um, we, we continue to see business come in. We continue to help firms go to the cloud and, um, you know, they're going to be better off for it. You, you, a few of our mutual customers reached out to me this week. And, um, one of them down in Texas had one of the nicest things to say. He's like, listen, he said, I, I am so lucky that we found you guys when we did. He said, the fact that we're on Clea now, he said, my attorneys are still working. He said, if we would have been, if, if this COVID-19 crisis would have happened before we met UTC and your team and you guys moved our firm to the cloud, like, whew, man, we would have been in, uh, we would have, it'd have been a totally different conversation right now. Um, so, yeah. you know, there are, there are some people who are grateful that, that they made the decision when they did and, and we're getting those calls and, and reach outs from those clients, which is great. You know, it makes you feel good. You know, I'm really, I'm really grateful to lean in and, and help them on, on that piece of their business. Um, yeah. I, I, uh, I relate in the sense that you hear these stories about how your technology is able to help law firms survive an event like this. And in some cases even thrive where they're able to actually eke out a real competitive edge over their counterparts that maybe aren't as well prepared and actually, you know, pull ahead from in, in, in the race. And, you know, I'm, I'm curious what your, what your perspective on, on the, broader constellation of challenges that law firms are, are facing in this environment because the cloud is part of it. Mm. But I think what's really interesting is that I, I think what you and I have seen in, in many, of, uh, many of the law firms we work with is they, they embrace the cloud 
and to make the transition from on-prem technology to cloud-based technology. But in terms, of, in terms of their law firm operating model, they're still a bricks and mortar law firm and they're still operating their law firm from a people management perspective and, and everything else, just as they always did. And I think what's really unique about this trend, this, this particular crisis and the changes it's forcing on law firms is there's this, this two pronged impact where you need to both make the shift to the cloud and great if you've got a leg up on that, but it's not too late. I, I think many firms are realizing, hey, I can actually make that transition pretty quickly and yeah. pretty transparently. But there's this second and, and almost orthogonal challenge of how do I set up my team to work remotely and distributed and from home successfully? And it requires a whole new set of muscles and a whole level of trust maybe that, that didn't traditionally exist in more traditional law firms. And, and I'm curious what your, your take is on that, especially with maybe the experience of having worked at, at PwC, which is, you know, maybe not totally dissimilar from how a law firm operates mm -hmm. from an outside in perspective, but you've really mm -hmm. for a long time embraced distributed work, asynchronous work, uh, working from home and, and so on. So maybe you could talk about that specific element of this, this crisis and any, any advice you have on, on how to layer in that capability into your law firm. You know, it's, it's this interesting idea of the business side of law has been the same for so long. They have done business the exact same way. And the metrics or KPIs that would be used 50 years ago are like the same ones that can be used today. And it's because the business model hasn't changed. It's this wild thing. It's very interesting to think about that as me as an outsider looking in at, at law. Um, which, which, which is kind of this bizarre thing, but I think the, the reason it hasn't changed is uh, maybe we haven't had enough um, kind of forward-looking or forward-thinking people thinking about that. And I think that the most important person is missing from the conversation because law firms, like you said, they're thinking about, okay, how do I cloud enable myself to enable my team to do this or to enable my firm to, to, move, this, to move in this way? And we never bring the client into the discussion. And, and it's like this, the, this person is the most important person inside your law firm, which is the person who pays you money. They don't actually work for you and they don't bring them into the conversation. And we don't think about how do they want to be communicated to? How do they want me to solve this problem for them? Um, what, what, what types of things are they actually trying to accomplish right now? I know they're saying this to me, but like, what do they really want me to solve? What, what, what is it I'm trying to do? And those real fundamental questions are not maybe getting asked. And mm -hmm. I feel like if, if those questions got asked, all of a sudden, like light bulbs would go off in all these managing partners' heads, and they'd say, oh, I get it. Okay, this is how I need to go to market. This is how I need to interact with my clients. These are the things I need to do. I need to now change my processes because the, my workflows, the way I do things, that how I think about these problems and solving these problems for my clients, now, now, how do I enable those things with great technologies that allow me to work remotely or that will allow me to, to be more interactive? Um, because this is, um, you know, you're, you're, you run a software business. I, we build software inside my business. This, this is what we do. But software is a, is a tool. That's all it is. It's just a tool to do something. It's, it's like, hey, do you want to dig this hole with a shovel or would you like me to bring in a backhoe? And, and, it's, and they're both tools, shovel, backhoe, both, both tools. But regardless, we want to get a hold of. And so I think the, the, the question and the, and the appropriate person, the most appropriate person to bring in the conversation 
is a client. And to think about it through their eyes and their lens, and when you do that, I think that lawyers will start to think about the way that they actually do business. And they'll say things like, you know, race and hours makes no sense here. Like this, this makes no sense. The customer doesn't, the client doesn't want it. It doesn't, it doesn't incentivize me to actually get aligned with what it is that they want. Like throw this out. This is done. Let's do it a different way. And, and I think once those conversations are, are starting to happen and you see little bitty tiny pockets of that, or at least I do, um, every once in a while I see somebody saying like, Hey, what, let's talk about the client. Like, what are, what are we doing? Let's take a client centered approach to this. Um, so I've seen little bitty pockets of that popping up, but I don't see like a mass, like everybody kind of talking, talking in, in that, in that language, if that makes sense. I think it makes a ton of sense. And I think it's a, a huge opportunity for law firms. And, and this is a great moment to reevaluate all those things. Uh, how, how you, what was the status quo for, for, for your law firm? And this crisis, if nothing else, is giving you permission to feed that into the shredder and rethink from the ground up how you do everything. And I think uh, a client-centric approach, and obviously I've got a, a strong feelings about taking a client-centric approach, just wrote a, a book on the topic. I think it's a super powerful concept that not a lot of law firms have embraced as fully as they, as they could. And, and in fact, figuring out how you navigate this, this challenge, I think a client-centered approach is actually a really powerful way to, yes. uh, to, to, to solve the problem and have the conversations with your clients. What do you need from me right now? Yes. Uh, you know, there's, there's some interesting Twitter trends, uh, you know, a week or so ago where uh, somebody was lamenting, I, I don't need another COVID-19 preparedness webinar from my law firm. Would somebody just give me a call and figure out what I need from them to navigate this? Uh, and that's the kind of, I, I think, client-centered design that uh, could be really impactful. Um, you know, maybe one question on the, the law firm operating model that I'm curious, and, and maybe you've got a perspective based on how PwC runs its business. It feels like this idea of dispersing all profits at the end of the year and and essentially resetting the, the balance sheet to zero mm -hmm. at the end of every year actually structurally set up law firms to fail with a black swan event like COVID-19. And we saw lots of law firms fail in the 2008, 2009 financial crisis. Do you think law firms need to be rethinking their fundamental operating model, this partnership model? And are there learnings from the <clears throat> consultancy advisory space uh, that, that might apply to law firms to help them better weather storms like this? Yeah. So, so partnerships, I mean, obviously been a, <laughs> form of, of even before we had official partnerships per tax codes and all that kind of stuff. I mean, we've had partnerships since the beginning of time yeah. um, in, in a very common business arrangement. Um, I, I think that that what you described though, in terms of like being prepared, being, being ready for, for this type of black swan event, I think it goes beyond, uh, beyond the structure of the business. If that's, if that makes sense. I think that, um, you know, a uh, publicly traded company with shareholders and shareholder mm -hmm. demands on that company to distribute earnings or to do share buybacks can put those companies at risk yep. and to put them in a bad spot because they're, 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 they're not managing long-term. They're managing this quarter and this quarter and this quarter. Yep. And law, law firms and partnerships are very similar. What is my di distribution going to be this quarter? What's my distribution going to be next quarter? What's my distribution going to be at the end of the year? And so they're, they're managing to those very short-term goals. 
Um, and so I think that that tends to be the danger now. Um, there, there are some, not many, I'm trying to think, I'm just going through some of, them, some of my customers that were unique, that stuck out in my mind, that, that, that maybe were, were doing it a, a little bit differently in terms of how they were managing um, their assets and how they were managing their, their cash positions. Um, some were um, a little more savers, but I attribute that not so much to the business model or, or lack there of incentives to the business model, but more about the human beings. I think they were by nature a little more conservative and they were by nature having like really open, direct conversations with their partner to say, Hey, I want to make sure that we're prepared to weather any storm. I have no idea what storm is going to come, but I just want to be, be in that way. Now, I believe that's a very small percentage of the population. Most human beings don't do that. Most human beings, and, and we just simply need to turn on the news and watch it do the opposite of that. They'll spend up until the limit they can spend. Most Americans actually spend beyond that with the advent of credit. And, and they're just like, hey, it's always going to be like this and we're going to roll on. Um, I don't know if it's so much in, in this driven by the nature of the of the business itself, whether it be a partnership. Yeah, you make a or, really important point, which is maybe what, what kind of time horizon are you thinking about your business in? That's it. Than anything else. Yep, that's right. And, and law firms need to think carefully about that question as well. And, and by the way, that that might be a feature of the partnership model. If things do go south really quickly, it dissolves really quickly and you can decide if and when you create a new partnership, maybe with different people calibrated to a different set of conditions and market demand. So it doesn't need to be a, a negative necessarily. That might be exactly what you want if you've looked at your your time horizon for the business as being, you know, something you measure in in weeks or months rather than than years or decades. Maybe that's really the key decision. One of the things I was talking to a few managing partners about um, that, that have partners is, um, you know, now might be a time for a capital call. And, um, you know, you've been paying out distributions to your partners and yourself um, for years. And um, now cash flow is tight and it might be time mm -hmm. to actually make a capital call. And, and that's, a, that's a hairy thing to navigate through with partners. Um, that's a tough sure. thing. That's a, you know, I mean, you've, you run a startup, you, I mean, you're not a startup anymore, but you, you run one, you know what that's like. And it's like, Hey, it's time to pass the hat and we gotta, we gotta do this. And you know, everybody needs to pony in a little more cash. And right now in the middle of the COVID-19 pandemic is not the time you really want to be passing the hat to, to yeah. have people to, to chip in. But that's a real conversation that, that a lot of people are having right now um, in, inside their law firm. TC, maybe to, to summarize a few of your, your overall thoughts over this conversation and, and beyond, in a nutshell, can you tell us what you think will be the differentiator between law firms that emerge from this crisis stronger and those that emerge weaker or maybe even having failed entirely? Yeah, I think that the biggest differentiator is going to be when those entrepreneurs, those men and women who they remember themselves, like back when they first started their law firms and whether they have stayed a solo practitioner or they've since grown it and now they got 10 partners and, and 15 attorneys or whatever it might be. Put that entrepreneurial hat back on. Remember that human being. Bring that human being back right now and bring that human being back and all the energy that that human being had and get them focused on the clients. And if you do those sorts of things and position yourself to solve problems for clients, 
you you absolutely will come out of this thing in a positive way because that's going to influence all kinds of decisions that you make. That's going to influence what should our process be? What should our technology be? Who are the type of people I should hire to work for me? Um, do I even have the right people working inside my firm based on all these decisions? But those kind of like fundamental things um, and in my business, I call them guiding principles. We have certain guiding principles in our business that, are, that these are not strategy. This is, that doesn't have anything to do with that. These are things like gravity. Like, Jack, you can believe that gravity is real or not, but if you step off the top of Clea's building in Vancouver, gravity is taking you to the ground, okay? These are just laws of the universe. We have certain laws of the universe that we just adhere to, and they, they then influence all of the things that we do. And I think if you have some of those that are, that are built around an entrepreneurial spirit, they're built around client-centeredness, like they'll influence all these other decisions that you'll make and all these other things that you'll do. And I think the folks who take a second and say like, hang on a second, I got an incredible opportunity to pause right here. I'm gonna put my entrepreneurial hat back on because I'm a business builder and look around, I've, I've done this. And now I'm gonna take all that energy and I'm gonna focus it and get it really harnessed in the right direction. And if they do have other people that work with them inside their firm, the power of the collective all going towards one thing or all going towards the same direction, that's when it's like magic happens. And I'm sure you experienced it at Clio when you've got everybody on the same page and we all know what our mission is and we say, we're going to take that hill and this is what we're going to do to take it. It's like, it's crazy powerful. And then, and then me, oftentimes I just got to like get out of the way because I just like got yeah. smart people yeah. coming this way and smart people coming that way. I'm like, oh gosh, I just got to get out get out of their way so they can accomplish. But I think it's those people who are going to find that they're going to, uh, number one, start doing things a lot differently. And number two, be positioned very well to serve clients when they come out of this thing. And, and when you take that kind of mindset, everything's on the table. It's like, there's no sacred cows. Everything can be, reassessed and rethought about and and nothing can be like let's scrap this i don't care if we've done it that way for 10 years all right we're in a pandemic get 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 with the plan we're going to do this differently now and you get a great opportunity to kind of take take and move forward with some new ways of doing things i think there's a lot of opportunity in that i know for one i've been pushing my management team like crazy around that right now like we, we need to be better. What are we doing wrong? Let's blow stuff up. Let's think about new ways to do this. This is our opportunity to do this. Like let's, let's, let's get real creative right now about how we want to solve problems for our customers. And, and we, we've been obsessed with that lately. And I think folks that do that, and I think we'll probably do well coming out of this. Yeah. If there's a, a silver lining to all of this, there's the, the permission to be creative and permission to reinvent and permission to, you know, roll a grenade into some of the old stuff that didn't work. And I, I, I think law firms uh, are a ripe battleground for that to be, that to be happening. Yeah. Uh, TC, really enjoyed this conversation. Yeah. I'd love two uh, questions to, to wrap up. Uh, one, if, if folks want to learn more about Insights Officer, uh, where do they go? And my final question will be if, if you had some parting uh, advice for our listeners, something you want to impart to them either as, as human beings or as, as legal professionals, what would that be? Yeah. Um, so if you want to learn more about what we're up to and, and how we're serving law firms, go to uh, www.insightsofficer.com. You can go check us out there. Um, and if Great. you want to hear, you want to hear from us, you got a little, little link there you can click on and put your information in and we'll contact you and, 24 hours to, uh, to get back in touch with you. And 
You know, Jack, I, I, I appreciate you asking that question. I have a, a weekly stand-up with my entire company um, every Monday. And uh, something that I have been talking about every, every Monday since, since this really happened is um, we've been talking, um, ex we, I've been talking extensively uh, with, with my entire business around um, grace and what that looks like and how we need to have grace for each other and how we really need to have grace for ourselves right now. And we do this really interesting thing as human beings where we judge others by their actions, but we judge ourselves by our intention. Hmm. And we say like, oh, I'm not a bad dude. Like, I know I maybe didn't do that right right there, but like, I had a good intention. But other people, we just really judge them by their actions. And so right now, I think more than ever, and this is something we talk about a lot, is that we have got to have grace for each other because in all of our lives, there is a tremendous amount of stress and pressure right now. And sometimes we just need to take a moment, take a breath and say like, listen, I know my house is crazy and my four kids are going nuts and, and my wife is doing the best I can and I'm doing the best I can to deal with this, okay? And this other person I'm working with on my team or this other customer that I might be working with, they got stuff that's going on with them that's really causing a lot of pain and like, let's have a little grace for each other right now and, and just, Take a moment, take a breath, and give that grace to each other so that, so that we don't have to hold each other up to these incredible standards that no one could ever meet in a time when the pressure and stress levels turned up to an all-time high. And then just as importantly as you do that for others, you got to do that for yourself. Like you have got to give yourself that same grace because if you don't, you'll, you'll, just, you'll just burn yourself up. You will absolutely burn yourself up. So that's something we've been talking a lot about in my team um, and inside my company. And um, I think it's important, um, which is why I talk about it so much. That's a, a really important and, and meaningful parting thought. Thanks for that, TC. I had a really great time having this conversation with you. Lots of useful insights. Thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks, Jack. I really appreciate it. Good to speak with you. Thanks for joining us on Daily Matters today, a podcast from Clio. Rate and review wherever you get your podcasts and subscribe so that you never miss an episode. Daily Matters is produced by Andrew Booth, Sam Rosenthal, and Derek Bolin, and hosted by yours truly, Jack Newton. Thanks also to Clio, the world's leading cloud-based legal technology provider, for supporting this podcast. If you'd like to learn more about Clio, please visit clio.com. 